from South Florida. The Brian Mudd Show starts right now. Now, now. News Radio 610 WIOD. We are philosophically and fundamentally opposed as Republicans to what the Democrats are trying to do here with this $5 trillion expansion of the federal government and all the tax hikes that go with it. Yeah, well... Well, you've got uh, the George Costanza-inspired human fund still being debated through reconciliation in Congress. Thankfully, still no news, which remains good news on that front. Yeah, we got our own stuff going on. Property taxes. Talking about that over the past week. And as, uh, by the way, the, the breaking news, as you heard from Natalie in her news, what goes up must come down and everything was smooth in between. It's so weird watching this. Now the second time that we've seen the Blue Origin ride up and back. You always get the feeling where this thing is going in time. It's going to be like the next era of like really expensive theme park attractions. So, you know, rather than going Disney and standing in line for an hour and then, you know, going to ride something for two and a half minutes, you lay out huge money and uh, go up and and take this uh, trip into space for about 10 minutes and come back down. Wash and repeat. It's just, I get that feeling. It's, uh, it's all interesting. We still ha- don't have Shatner and company that have emerged from the capsule yet, but they've been touched down here for uh, for several minutes now. All right, we are joined by Florida Tax Watch President and CEO Dominic Calabro. How are you, sir? Wonderful up here in, in gorgeous uh, Tallahassee, the state capital of the third largest state, uh, Megatrend State, and Florida Tax Watch is very honored to serve as the eyes and ears of your listeners and millions of Floridians throughout the state of Florida. You always do a fantastic job at doing just that. So I wanted to talk to you about the the concept of property tax reform. We've changed you know property taxes in our state here and there over the years. In fact, we had two constitutional amendments passed last year that instituted tweaks to it for uh, you know effective this year. But you know the the ad valorem tax it's older than the state of Florida. Uh, It took about 40 years before it was ratified in the Constitution. I take a look at a lot of what's happening, and we are seeing affordability issues crop up significantly again. Uh, And, you know, you you take a look at, yes, the the overall property values, but above and beyond that, the carrying costs for people who otherwise were able to afford them. And you, you take a look at property insurance, and we have problems there that still need to be addressed uh, but the other is our property taxes. And I'm wondering, wanting to get your thoughts on whether you believe that it's reasonable for meaningful property tax reform in the state of Florida and whether there is the flexibility and inability generally to be able to fund things like our schools by making dramatic overhauls. Well, thanks, Brian. It's a really, really important question. Of all taxes that uh, your listeners and Floridians pay, in state and local taxes, the one they find the most difficult to to pay and the most challenging and the most confusing and often the one they like least, if you're least uh, fair, is the uh, ad valorem or the property tax. Um, of course, one they hate more is the federal income tax, but we don't have the state income taxes, and that's part of the reason why. Um, but first of all, what's happened is that the value of real estate in Florida has just gone through the proverbial roof, okay? So property values after 2008, uh, where we had a great uh, recession, they came back roaring, so much so that uh, in 2018, Florida Tax Watch had to lead in 
uh, an amendment that was on the ballot that would have continued to cap in a permanent way the annual assessment, the tax assessed value, uh, to no more than 10%. We were successful bringing it above the 60% threshold required in the Constitution, thus saving taxpayers between $1 to $2 billion a year. Again, that's uh, the considered work of Florida Tax Watch. It's volunteer leadership, such as our Chairman George, Senator George Lemieux, uh, and uh, our other volunteer leaders, and our very, very capable and independent research staff. Well, now, I mean, it's it's tremendous what you were able to do there. Um, the ten percent, even though, is is a tough pill to swallow, and a lot of us have have dealt with that on homesteaded property, even yeah. uh, you know, last year to this one. I mean, it's it's painful to look at some of these figures. So, here's my my first. Just tell me if I'm missing something. Question: What drives me bad crap crazy about the way that property taxes are assessed? And yes, our local governments could always go ahead and and lower millage rates and pass the savings on to us, but that almost never happens, which is a whole other you know issue. But inflation. So I was taking a look, and the rate of inflation prior to this year, so everything that's in scope for what's been assessed for property taxes, the five-year inflation rate previously was 8.9%. Even for homesteaded property, the average person's paying 16% more. For non-homesteaded property over that five years, 35% more. And so even under Homestead, you're paying basically twice as much as the real rate of inflation was. Is there any reason that I'm missing under which there should ever be a need for these taxing authorities to have a bigger increase in the rate of inflation? You know, Brian, that's the, the crux, very thoughtful question. The crux of the matter is simply that they can lower the millage rate. They should lower the millage rate, what's called truth in millage. That is to capture the same amount of revenue they got the previous fiscal year from the current fiscal year because of the increased valuation. So while a uh, homesteaded property cannot rise more than either the lesser of 3% per year for homesteaded properties or the CPI, Consumer Price Index, which has generally been around 1% for the last several years until more recently with the pandemic and supply chain disruptions. Um, but the biggest problem is we've got to find a way to make it very hard for our local governments to raise property taxes. The big problem that we've been facing, Brian, I think we've talked about this with you and your and your listeners over the years, is that to save our homes had a lot of good effects, but one that was very deleterious, very difficult, is it insulated a lot of the voters because they got to have a limitation on their tax assessment, but uh, people with second homes or renters, and there are millions of renters out there, small business owners and so forth, they were not protected with that same uh, 3% or lower tax assessment. They got hit sometimes uh, before we got that new provision in law, 25 30% increases from wow. year to year. Good Absolutely gosh. unsustainable. Yep. So the key is really by statute, uh, making it hard by having supermajority requirements of the county, city, and possibly school board and local governments to raise uh, or or not follow the truth and millage rollback rate. The rollback rate is the amount of mi- the reduced millage rate to offset the increased value in property. Someone buys uh, collectively property from one year to the next might rise from 100 million with a 
say, 15% increase to um, $1 million to $1 million, $150,000, or $100 million to $150 million. So the through the millage says, okay, let's reduce the millage rate from prior year so that we get the same $100 million. But to do that, you have to reduce the millage rate. If they were required more actively to follow that and then had to be forced by supermajority votes to demonstrate publicly notice and like a little stronger than we have now. We have a lot of provisions in law, but I think we need to strengthen those as well so that uh, uh, that's the case. The other problem is basically uh, homestead property owners who are largely the voters get the benefit at the expense of other people. It's unfair, but as is the law. So there are areas where we still can and need a reform, as as you're articulating. So there's reason to head down this path. There's one other one that that eats at a lot of people, and that is the largest single expense attached to our property are the schools. And right now, seventy one point four percent of pro, of home homes in, in the state of Florida they do not use the public school system. Seventy one point four percent. Is there a way that we can derive necessary revenue with limiting the impact of the school districts on our properties? You know, there's been some attempts to do that in the past. There was a proposed member of the Constitution in 2008 by the, the Tax and Budget Reform Commission. Um, it was uh, poorly written. It was confusing, misleading, and tax which helped uh, have the Supreme Court remove it from the ballot because it would have missed lead voters but there have been attempts to do it the problem is that the current system has largely good balance overall pretty good balance between property tax and sales tax sales tax at the state level uh, property at the local everyone at the local level um what you really need to do is if, if you put eliminate the property tax where do you get that over 10 billion 12 billion dollars a year it would have to probably come from extraordinarily increasing the sales tax and other state taxes such that it would become prohibitive and have deleterious or negative effects on the economy. So the thing is to find some kind of circuit breakers, some kind of ways of making government officials that do the taxing, not the property appraiser as much, uh, not the tax collector, but those at the county commission level, city council level, school board level, the people that we elect uh, to try to make sure, first of all, we vote and elect conservatives, people that understand what it's like to meet a payroll, people understand that money does not grow on trees, that for every added thing government wants to give somebody, they have to take their political freedoms or economic freedoms or their money out of their pocket to pay for it, and have a really genuine appreciation for good fiscal stewardship. That's first and foremost. Second is then to provide some legal state statutory framework so that it's harder, not impossible, because there are a lot of legitimate reasons to uh, to pay for needed investments in our public schools and, and public infrastructure and the like. And as we found out, when local governments make the case to the taxpayers, as TaxWatch had a report on uh, self-taxing for the past decade, it shows again and again that the voters are very generous. The Florida taxpayers and Florida voters are very generous when they're asked to step up and they're given some clear accountability what they're going to get for their money. So it's not a we they, it's more let's be collaborative, let's be honest, let's only tax what we need and spend what we must. 
and uh, and be accountable and appreciative. Let's let's have a way of each year really thanking the taxpayers, because without them, this this uh, this yeah. gravy train does not exist. No you know, kidding. Right, we're we're going to have to unfortunately. Unfortunately, Dominic, we're going to have to leave it there because we're up against it. But I really appreciate the conversation. I want to keep it going and want to continue to work in this direction. And uh, always um, thrilled to be able to get some direction from Tax Watch, which has such enormous credibility on this and many other issues. For Tax Watch President CEO Dominic Calbro, and we'll be right back at the Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD.